Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series dedicated to helping all of us talk more openly about money. Each show features a special guest who will share with you one of their favorite money myths. Then together we'll discuss how to bust it wide open. My name is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury and I am your host. My company, KBK Wealth Connection, is committed to helping women, couples, families, and their financial team shatter money taboos and learn how to effectively talk about money. Today, it's my honor to be joined by a special guest, Jim Silbernagel. Jim has a variety of experiences. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But first, uh, he was nice enough to invite me on a uh, webinar slash podcast series he has called Real Wealth. Um, but Jim is an independent agent registered with Woodbury Financial Services. He entered the industry in 1982 and then the financial services industry in 19. 19- 86. Jim holds security licenses, and uh, he has a variety of different uh, credentials, including CFP and LUTCF designations. He created and hosts Real Wealth, an online radio program for insurance and financial professionals to educate their clients and keep in touch with them between meetings. Jim also leads Power Session Live, a monthly best practice and sales idea session with top leaders in the industry. He is a 20-year life qualifying member of the Million Dollar Roundtable, which is a big deal for people who are not in the industry, uh, qualifying for his first top of the table in 2001. He is a 25-year member of NAIFA, member of FSP, Forum 400, Financial uh, Services Institute, and many more. Um, One of the cool things that he's doing is he's an ambassador for Main Street Philanthropy, which is a wonderful program that teaches kids and families how to be financially literate through giving. Um, I'm going to just say that Jim has been happily married to Joanne for 29 years, has two sons, Frank and Warren, and a daughter, Angela, who I've had the pleasure to get to know. And he spends his free time fishing, boating, and flying. I didn't know about the flying, Jim. Welcome to the program. Hey, it's great to be with you. And as I said, leaders, in, as you said, leaders in the industry, that's why you were on. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jim. That's very sweet. Um, my husband actually right now is flying in a small Bonanza jet down to West Virginia with his boss. So when it mentioned flying, I was like, "Woo!" So do you have your own plane, Jim? Well, I'm in a partnership with five other, well, four other guys right now. And uh, it's a prop plane, so I'm not a jet setter yet, but we still get around. Yeah, no, that's exciting. That's a, See, I always discover something nifty about people who come on uh, the podcast. Now, I know today you decided that your myth that we're going to work at Busting Wide Open is if my adult children are college educated, then I, meaning the client, don't need to talk to them about family finances. So I'm wondering, Jim, kind of what motivated you to pick that myth? Well, you know, something that I speak around the country on now is family meetings. And it's something, you know, our schedules are so busy and, you know, there's always excuses as to why we don't want to do it. But I see a lot of times, you know, and it's heartbreaking when you see families that when the mom and dad pass away, the kids never speak to each other again and sometimes don't even remember what they're mad about. They just remember they're mad because there isn't that communication. And one of the excuses parents give, because in my area, I'm in a rural area, a lot of uh, the parents right now are the matriarchs and patriarchs of the families. You know, they they didn't go to college, or if they did, they had very limited 
you know, education. I got a lot of people with just high school degrees and their dream was always to send their kids to college. And they kind of look at their kids as being a lot smarter than they are and that they know everything. Um, but, but rarely do they know everything when it comes to, you know, the estate planning issues and, and helping families transition from one generation to the next. So in other words, it's like, you know, I worked really hard. I, I helped my kid get a college education and therefore, um, they're smarter in, in some ways they're smarter than me. And so we don't need to talk about this thing called money. Did I hear you correctly? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if it's something that they're embarrassed about it because they're, they're somewhat naive and they don't want to be exposed to that or just kind of the false assumption that they learn everything in college. So this would be beneath them to sit down and go over this. So it's usually a hurdle to get over that, you know, their kids are too busy and they already know this stuff. I'm sure they don't need to know this. It's interesting. Um, before we get into how this actually can negatively impact a family or the next generation, let's just spend a moment talking about if there is any way in which this myth, if somebody out there is kind of buying into this idea that if you have adult children that are college educated, you don't need to talk about money. Is there any way in which this can help uh, either an individual client or a family in any way? Well, I guess I'm not quite understanding the question. Well, the way I, I think about money myths is often they can sabotage our financial health. However, there's often a reason why we have them. So they might help in the short term and in the long run get in the way. So for instance, when I say how can it help, I'm wondering if there's any ways in which not talking about money can be helpful, at least in the short run, to the family or to your client. Absolutely. One one thing is it's always uncomfortable, you know, and, and a lot of families, you know, there's there's a lot of times some underlying tensions that might be between certain family members. Mm-hmm. So to have a discussion with everybody in the room, you know, can be really uncomfortable. It might bring up some bad feelings. But, you know, what I've always looked at is, you know, it's better to surface those feelings and talk them through. Because a lot of these hard feelings sometimes are based on misconceptions or preconceived ideas. So as a financial advisor, I can kind of be the, you know, the referee, so to speak. You know, I don't have a vested interest or a biased interest in one thing over another thing other than my biases are to make sure that family has every possibility of staying together as a family unit and, and valuing those relationships versus resenting them. So sometimes there's, you know, just to give you an example, you know, let's say, for example, that uh, a family set up an estate plan and, you know, in my area, it's common for them to pick the oldest male child or oldest child to be first in line to deal with issues like settling the estate or powers of attorney and things like that. And, you know, people are looking at that as a privilege, you know, and thinking that somehow they work something in, but... You know, and, and so if, if the parent were to pick someone other than the oldest male, that already, already raises eyebrows. If they just pick the oldest male, because that's what everybody else did, you know, um, some family members are going to feel alienated. So the thing is, by having the discussion, you know, I always tell families, we're not, we're not creating privileges here. We're creating responsibilities. And, you know, it, and, and when you start, you know, peeling back that onion... Um, a lot of families, they, they leave the meeting feeling much better because that misconception that they were playing favorites 
then all of a sudden they realize, hey, I'm glad I didn't get stuck with that. Yeah, so so it sounds like in the short run it can avoid discomfort, but in the long run it really isn't useful. So so tell me, you know, give me an example, another example of how you potentially see this as a problem, and then and then we'll talk about what you can do about it. Well, the biggest thing is is the misconception. So I, I see the ugliness of estate planning all the time, where certain family members felt they were entitled to certain things or deserve certain things because there was no discussion. So another example would be, let's say in a family business scenario, uh, a lot of times you got those kids that are in the business and those kids that are not in the business, you know, and sometimes, and, and sometimes there's, it's justified, sometimes it's not, but there's always this feeling that the, the kids in the business got everything handed to them. You know, and I, I have a lot of farmers around me and, you know, farming is a 24 7, 365 day a year on call job if you're not actually on the job. And, you know, the kids that decide not to be on the farm, and I'm talking dairy farms, you got to deal with the animals and things like that. Kids that are not on the farm, they've got, you know, they, they just, they, they got the holidays off, the weekends off, and they have paid vacations, and they got 401ks. Where the kids that are involved in the farm, they don't have that time off. They're maybe not making that much of money. But the parents provide equity in that business to them, and that creates a lot of strain if there's never any discussion about how those valuations are, are, are determined. And, you know, dividing things equally isn't always fair. Fair and equal is not the same number all the time. So that's an area where definitely getting all the family members involved, but here's the mistake. You know, parents are uncomfortable with it, so they just don't deal with it. So either they don't take care of the kids that were by their side that help with the success of the business because they'll get around to it someday, or they take care of those kids but don't tell the other kids, and it just leaves a legacy of resentment, and it splits apart the family. Now, I'm not saying by having these discussions you'll keep the family unit together, but it certainly enhances the, uh, the chances that your family will stay a family when you're growing. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of a lot of different situations like this. And it's interesting to hear kind of your perspective, given the region of the United States that you work in with the farmers. And I, I could definitely see, uh, I can see this happening with a variety of different businesses, but I certainly, uh, you know, could see this happening in that situation as well. And so if, you know, clients are uncomfortable and parents are uncomfortable having these conversations and you know, their adult children may or may not be interested in having these conversations. How do you actually engage them? Because it strikes me as, I mean, certainly I believe in breaking money silence in families, and I think it's really important. But I also know in my previous work as a counselor how complicated it can get. So what advice would you give listeners who are currently buying into that myth and saying, mm, you know, I, maybe I want to do something different. Maybe I should have this conversation. Well, I can't emphasize enough how important it is. And let me get, I'll give another example because not every one of your listeners is going to be a business person. But right now, most, most people that are approaching or recently in retirement now, a good chunk of the retirement is made up of retirement dollars and qualified accounts, whether it's IRAs, 401ks, whatever. And, you know, there's some serious consequences to how someone takes those distributions as far as taxes go. And most kids are not aware of those options. And it's evidenced by the 
when you see some of the stats out there that say the vast majority of retirement accounts are gone within 18 months, um, some kids are making some huge financial mistakes that are creating some unnecessary, potentially unnecessary taxes on those accounts. So what I do is there's 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 uh, reasons why the kids want to be involved in that conversation. There's reasons why the parents want to be involved in that conversation. And quite frankly, my industry is as guilty as the families because us as advisors don't want to rock the apple cart. We just want to make sure we get business done and you know, let's not, not let's not open any uh, Pandora's boxes. But what I've done as an advisor is I, I talk to the clients when they first meet with me, and I said, "Look, we're going to do a lot of planning, but I'm going to make it a point that at some point, and it's and I, and I I tell them it's almost mandatory unless you have extenuating circumstances, we will be scheduling a family meeting at a point in time where you feel you're ready for it. Now, the important thing for a client." someone that's looking to maybe start this conversation, your initial conversations you need to have with your spouse and your team of advisors and kind of get it clear in your head what you want without the noise of the kids all nipping at your heels for what their individual interests might be. So so you have a well-thought-out plan. Then you bring the kids in, you know, and then you get their input because they might be able to share something that maybe you didn't consider or you had forgotten about. But I find that 99.9% of the time, I am getting thanked by the kids and getting thanked by the parents for making sure that this happens. So you as a family, you know, you have to decide that this is important and, and you have to hold your advisors accountable to make sure that they help you through the process. Because I really believe having outside people um, helping to facilitate a lot of this that understand taxes that understand estate planning what the roles are and things like that can be invaluable in helping to strengthen that transition uh, from family members another thing i would mention too we haven't talked about powers of attorney and healthcare power of attorney you know and in different states and i'm pretty sure it's the same as here in wisconsin but uh, they can set up a healthcare power of attorney and they can leave some direction well, it's one thing to write something in a document. It's another thing to have a discussion. And there's nothing worse than being a child thrown into a healthcare power of attorney where you have to make potentially life and death situations. And if you haven't had the opportunity to have that discussion with your loved one about what they would have wanted, not only are you going to be feeling guilty, but if other family members aren't aware of what your desires are, they're second-guessing whoever's in charge of making those decisions. So if you're not together on that as a family, that that is something that doesn't have anything to do with dollars and cents. But I'll tell you, when it comes to emotions, that can really tear a family apart as well. Yeah, you know, I've had a, a, a situation similar. It didn't tear the family apart, but similar uh, in my life. And, and what I found was it wasn't a financial advisor. It was a state attorney who sat us down and had a conversation and you know, while everybody was anxious at the beginning, in the end, it was the same thing you're talking about, where everybody was very thankful. And it did make a difference uh, when my mother was ill. Um, so it sounds like, you know, you're very passionate. Uh, this is why I'm sure that we connect, but very passionate about having these conversations. But what you've highlighted, Jim, and I, 
I think there's other advisors who are passionate about it too, um, but there's a lot of advisors who aren't trained or feel uncomfortable, and you kind of mentioned that. So if somebody's listening, how do they find an advisor like you? I mean, obviously, say a little bit about where you're located and what type of services you provide, but if you weren't a possibility for them, how do they start looking for someone that can help them have this conversation? You just got to ask the questions because I feel as though sometimes the advisor, it's not so much that they don't want to do it. It's just that they feel uncomfortable. They don't want to necessarily pry. That's beyond, you know, just doing investments or whatever. But I would ask the advisor, uh, do you do family meetings? Are you willing to do family meetings? Would you be willing to sit down with my kids and help explain some of this for when they get when, when they happen to get together? And I know you've talked about it when I had you as a guest. You know, the amount of people that switch advisors when one spouse dies and then the amount of people that switch advisors when both parents die, I think having a family advisor is, is so much more efficient, first of all, because you don't have to go through that whole learning process again and again, but it's also making sure everybody's on the same page because what's right for one may not be right for the other. And when you make decisions with your financial, with your estate plan, you know, as looking at what's best for the family, taking care of, you know, obviously mom and dad's goals first, but taking into account what some of the kids' goals are, I just think it goes so much further. And when the family is all part of the process, the chances of fighting becomes minimalized. Well, and, and I what I love is you gave a very concrete tip in there, is if you are working with somebody and, and you want to engage in some sort of dialogue. Maybe it's even the first step where you and your spouse talk with the advisor about, you know, what you want and getting really clear before you then, you know, do the family meeting. Even if it's just that first step, then, you know, asking for what you want. I I truly believe that advisors, uh, most of them have their heart in the right place and that often um, as clients, we really need to advocate for ourselves and let the advisors know. And and often what I find is an advisor that's not comfortable will um, maybe be able to offer you a referral to somebody who is. That doesn't mean you'd have to change advisors. There's people like um, a lot of my colleagues are family wealth consultants where they can come in and help with that type of meeting, uh, have the advisor there and the consultant there. So there's a variety of different ways to do it. Um, it sounds like for you and the, the other piece that I really like that you're saying is for you, it's an expectation that you set for clients because as an expert in this field, you know, it's something that makes sense. That's going to be useful for them and the family. And, you know, it's also going to be useful for you in helping them manage their assets. Yeah. And I, and I'd say as an advisor, before I took this strong stance, I had enough situations happen that it just made me realize I have to be more proactive on this. And that comes from being in the business for 30 years. You know, you may be working with an advisor that maybe has 10 years of experience. doesn't make them a bad advisor, but, you know, they might not be as proactive because they haven't had as many life experiences as a result. And what I would say is for clients, I would say 95% of my clients um, would easily make some excuse as to why a family meeting won't work. And I used to just say, hey, if you guys ever want a family meeting, you know, just let me know. We'll schedule a family meeting. I think it's important. Well, the, the amount of family meetings I had by softly suggesting it was somewhere between 0 and 1%. <laughs> so, you know? yep. so the thing is, as a client, 
you know, you got to understand, most advisors are used to be giving all these excuses, and they know their clients are uncomfortable. They don't want to make their clients uncomfortable. So they say, well, you know, let's just do what you're comfortable with. And they're a little bit more passive about things. But this is really important. So you as a client really should be demanding this. As uncomfortable as it is, and I'm sure if you take a strong stance on it, your advisor will definitely accommodate, you know. Um, but, but they're trying to be a little bit more passive because they don't want to rock the apple cart. They don't want to push the envelope too much. So, you know, I think, I think the client's got to take more responsibility. Right, absolutely. And and certainly, um, you know, getting your insights and, and your, you know, three decades of experience is really helpful. Now, I know um, that uh, Real Wealth and, and the different programs that you offer are specifically for advisors. Can you see, say a little bit about how people can find out about that service if they are in the field and want to learn more about what you're doing and how you help um, educate people in a variety of different ways, including helping them uh, learn how to have these family meetings? Yeah, we do uh, uh, realwealthmarketing.com. People can go to that. Um, we have a, a weekly program that goes to consumers, and advisors can can uh, provide that program to their consumers. And then we also do a monthly you know, education and training, and that's something you've graciously have been a guest on on a couple of occasions. Um, so we have a lot of industry experts talking about a lot of different issues that affect families and their and their planning. So we've had attorneys, we've had ins- top insurance, uh, risk management uh, folks on. We've had um, even the likes of uh, someone like David Walker, the past controller of the currency, so an economist. So we've had a lot of different guests that talk about a whole myriad of subjects. Every week we have a different subject and we have a program that can help people make smart decisions with their money and their wealth. Nice, nice. And is that realwealthmarketing.com? Is that the website they should go to? Yeah, if they go there, there's a consumer site as well as an advisor section that they can go to. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Well, listen, you know, time always goes so fast when you and I are having a conversation. Uh, We do need to wind down, but I do encourage anybody who is really interested in busting the myth open, if my adult children are college educated, that I don't need to talk about money, um, really reframe it to no matter what is going on with my kids in terms of their education, it's a gift if we talk about money and finding someone like Jim um, to be able to do that. And if you are someone in the field to check out realwealthmarketing.com, uh, because I know that I've learned a lot from the few times that I've uh, either participated in the conversation or listened in. So thank you so much, Jim, for your time today and your expertise. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Great. Uh, And thanks to everybody for listening to Breaking Money Silence. I'm Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert and author dedicated to getting people talking about money matters. For more information about my book, Speaking and Services, please visit my website at www.kbkwealthconnection.com. And just know that I am working on a book on this topic and and hope to be able to help more advisors do what Jim does such a great job of doing. Uh, So Until next time, just remember that together we can break money silence.